1: Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast, brought to you by our friends over at Winbet. That's W Y N N Bet. Uh, I'm your host, John McCackney, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, I'm coming at you from a new and different location this week since the last time that we talked and this is gonna be what? This is gonna be the new take cave for oh. for your pal.
2: It uh kinda looks like the last one, but um, I suppose you're in Atlanta now. I am
1: in Atlanta now, uh, officially, um, been here for about a week. Um, but I also just kind of like dropped my stuff off last Thursday, went up to a a lake in North Carolina for the fourth weekend, and then just kind of (laughs) like procrastinated the the unpacking for, for this week. So I've been kind of, uh, running roughshod here that this past week, trying to, trying to get it all together, but I do have internet and therefore we do have a podcast, so Uh, That's good, and and, uh, have no fear, anyone that watches uh, our shows, I'll have goofy art on the wall uh, soon enough.
2: Yeah, uh, you're missing your Terrapin flag. Yeah, gotta have that, Uh, gotta have my
1: goats or my, I don't know, Andy Warhol cats or whatever it is they're doing. Uh,
2: A lot of people don't know this, but you can also just do what I do, which is choose to not unpack, and (laughs) then you can... Have lots of boxes with stuff in them, all neatly stacked. Instead of, you know, having to work on taking the things out of them, get a all bad mood about it. Um, I just leave them. I mean, that that's that's pro move right
1: there. That's um, that's some three D chess. You only, you only
2: need your video game console, your computers, and your TVs, and the rest of it. Um, like, I, I I sometimes if I uh, don't want to do laundry, I'll go get a piece of clothing that I just never unpacked before. That's <laughs> It's not exactly clean, I guess, after a year in a cardboard box, but uh, I did wash it in between the last time I wore it and that time in question, so it's probably okay to do that. <laughs> I think so.
1: No, that that's, um, I, I wouldn't say that's like Homer Simpson-esque, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like who, the, who best... No one has it ever been that
2: by. bad before, <laughs> it's hard to think of something.
1: Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the dude from the Big Lebowski would, would pull a move similar to to that, where he just finds a shirt. He's like, "Oh, well, doesn't doesn't stink." I guess I'll just fire this up. Um, but we got a great show for everybody today. Um, we are going to dive into a couple of things. Obviously, if you've been paying attention to Fantasy Football Twitter, if you're tuning in uh, right now on our Periscope, on our YouTube, on our Facebook, then. You're probably more than well aware. You've been bombarded with the SFB11 hashtag that is just all over the place right now. If you didn't know, that is the Scott Fishbowl. So that has what eleven thousand entrance into it, Mario. At
2: least, John. There may be sorry. like fifty thousand. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot. It's a. It's it, quite a ambitious project. No, it, no doubt. It, it
1: very much is, and and it's done for. It's done. Uh, the, there's no entry fee, but there, there's a charity component to it. Uh, this guy, Scott Fish, runs it. I'm probably not doing it justice completely, but they raise a ton of money for, I believe, the causes Fantasy Cares um, just from everybody pooling in and, and having fun. It's a great way for you know, people who aren't necessarily in the industry to rub elbows with people that are, um, have some fun group chats, all that good stuff. And it's a really kind of unique format. So what we'll dive into uh, the format itself and how we've constructed our teams. Uh, This year it's music themed as far as as the leagues and the divisions are concerned. So we'll get into that a little bit, uh, break down our teams. And then uh, yesterday I participated in the uh, Fantasy Sports, or the FSGA. Futures and Props League. We did something similar to that a year ago. Uh, This year it went a lot more smoothly because people actually kind of had an idea of a a game plan of how they wanted to attack it. It's essentially a snake draft, but for drafting wagers. So uh, one of the earlier picks there was you know Mahomes for MVP at at his current odds or or the Browns to win the Super Bowl at 14 to one so we'll we'll break that down a little bit show the board to that as well but uh, before then just to give everyone some background on on the fishbowl scoring settings and what kind of makes it uh, unique six points for a passing touchdown so that's that's you know something that you, that most of our listeners have probably uh, seen, encountered one way or the other before. But you really, really get penalized for interceptions. It's minus four points for interceptions. Usually, most leagues it's one, maybe two points. So that that adds another layer. One minus one point per sack. Minus one point per incompletion as well. So. Did that kind of change your mind as to how you wanted to attack quarterback in this one? Um, and, and was there a certain cutoff to where you would have felt like, OK, that, that these guys after point X just aren't viable for, for a, a winning team in this format?
2: So I can't claim that I thought this through a whole lot or that I have a particularly good strategy. I kind of looked at all those numbers and instead of trying to make custom rankings or anything, I just sort of. I, I just kind of basked in the uh, the volume of it, just this, all these details and then kind of just surrendered to them and said, like, I'm just going to take quarterbacks, <coughs> excuse me, for my first couple picks. And uh, whoever's there, I'm kind of just taking whichever my favorite is. And I'm uh, just, yeah, just just giving in to, to all those details that I don't think I can actually figure out in any actionable way. So um, with that said, I did lean toward, you know, it, it was, it was a general Increased emphasis on quarterbacks, certainly, and then uh, a, a, especially an emphasis on kind of like clean production because a player like Daniel Jones I would go for in you know, best ball because he's so cheap and because even though he plays ugly football, he, he chucks it and he does aggressive things that, that lend toward spike weeks, especially if he's going against a bad defense. In a league like this, even Daniel Jones's good best ball weeks might be kind of bad in in this format. You know, it's, it could be thirty two points in standard scoring, and then in this league, it'll it might be like uh, eight points because he took five sacks and fumbled three times or something. Yeah, yeah,
1: the the sacks, the the uh, the low completion rate, uh, those are things that that'll get you in trouble a little bit. So with with that in mind, oh, and we'll also get into the other kind of bigger wrinkle for this one, that the one that kind of separates this from uh, most drafts in terms of how rosters are constructed, how the board works. Um, Tight ends are premium in in this format. So um, you get an extra half point uh, per first down and an extra half point uh, per reception for tight ends. So it's a half point PPR for Uh, for receiving for running backs and receivers but when you're a tight end you get the full point ppr so that that's another added wrinkle and that that's another thing that that pushes tight ends up the board that's why you'll see not just travis kelsey go in the first round but you know upwards of three to four uh tight ends go in the first two rounds and and that might even be conservative
2: yeah waller went in the first i think and probably a lot maybe even most definitely did in mine uh, Kittle for some reason slid a little bit, but only a little bit. In my uh, in my draft, I took Pitts in the third round. So uh, yeah, the four tight end. If, if Pitts is the fourth tight end, you you gotta expect at least four in the first. Uh, I don't know what that is, like thirty five picks or something like that. Exactly. So so
1: tight ends again put pushed up as well. I just kind of steered away from that skid. I, I think I was. I'm pretty sure I was eyeing Darren Waller. But he did not fall to me with, with my second pick. I've, I wasn't comfortable taking um, the, the second tight end, Dar, uh, Darren Waller, at pick number six. So I actually went with Lamar Jackson um, a, as my pick at, at one six. And I know that's not conventional necessarily because, he, he you know, he has a, a good completion rate, but, he, you know, he will take some sacks from running around, that kind of thing. But I, I think that he could be a potential league winner and, that, you know, the in in a league where or in a in a contest where there's so much seeming conventional wisdom on on how to do something i think you need to steer away from it at least a little bit to differentiate yourself from the
2: pack so um i think it was lamar jackson yeah i think it's pretty easily justified pick i mean that that might actually be what the uh sort of conventional wisdom is uh not and i'm not saying the conventional wisdom is bad I, i think that if anything, you probably want to go unconventional, like in the you know, third, fourth round onward, because first and second round is where you can really blow up your team right away if you get too cute. And uh, Lamar, I don't know, not to jinx the guy, but uh, obviously I'm a big fan, and I think in this format, he, he's just fine. He's going to get so many like rushing first downs, too, things that, um, if he, assuming he even does have any sort of issue with sacks or turnovers, I think that... Pretty much offsets it, and I don't even take for granted that there'll be any problems with sacks or turnovers. Yeah,
1: so I feel I feel really good about that one as well. Um, and I didn't get my second quarterback until a little bit uh, later on, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I noticed that receiver and the quality of receiver that you can get in this a few rounds down. You know, just because the, there is the quarterback inflation and the tight end inflation. And running
2: back a little bit, at least before receiver, because uh, the rushing first downs are a point category, too, and uh, that that kind of undermines the PPR trend of of the broader industry, because it's like it's giving running backs a bit of a PPR that they otherwise don't have access to, you know, carry for them.
1: Right. No, that's it. That's a really good point. So so as a result. Um, I didn't think that through completely, uh, I think, when when, um, when I made my It didn't my occur to me hit.
2: until I looked at just the people. I was like, why isn't anyone taking receivers? And I was like, oh, right, because it's, you know, a guy who couldn't, you know, a guy like Josh Jacobs probably, for instance, is better in this format than he is in standard PPR. And so it's like, yeah, he's, guys like him move up a little bit. Some receivers got to move down a little bit.
1: It's true. It's true. So I was able to get Tyreek Hill. Um, with the seventh pick in the second round. He was the first receiver to come off the board, Um, come back around in the third. I went with CEH, we had the third round reversal, um, but I was picking in the middle, so it didn't really uh, affect my my strategy all that much. But, um, so I got two shares of the Chiefs offense with with my first three picks, in addition to having Lamar Jackson. Uh, Then I went ahead and got, got my first tight end. Mark Andrews went right before I was getting set to go with yeah. the sixth pick of the fourth. But I feel like TJ Hawkinson, even still, is uh, a decent consolation to be your, your tight end one uh, this year.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, as much as I am partaking in you know selecting Kyle Pitts uh, two rounds ahead of Hawkinson, is that because I really am fading Hawkinson or anything. It's more like I'm chasing Pitts's upside and I'm, I'm acknowledging that this is just the last chance to get him in the draft order but in terms of the target volume you would actually I think project something similar for Hawkinson as you would Pitts it's it's the per play per target out you know production efficiency that you're distinguishing them by and I think you would also give Pitts much better touchdown odds but in a league that emphasizes kind of just receptions and first downs the gap between Hawkinson and Pitts if it exists at all might not be as much as it is in you know most formats people are playing this year.
1: Exactly. So, so that kind of helps smooth that over just a little bit. Pitts uh, was the the fourth tight end off the board overall, and and the first pick of the fourth round there. Um, looking down a little bit further, let's see if I can share my screen
2: quickly. Oh, we're getting fancy. Yeah, we're going for it. Doing Allen stuff.
1: Let's see. Um. We got it. We sharing? Oh, too much sharing. Oh man. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll, stir, we'll Leave we'll that, that to off. the
2: pros next time. John.
1: Yeah, I think so. We just I think we went into the matrix. Did you see the, Did you see Neo in there?
2: Uh, I just I just saw like uh, a downward spiral of tabs. Uh, yeah, it was a lot a lot of tab
1: action going on. So, um, note to self: uh, rehearse that before doing a, a live <laughs> broadcast. Last, uh, you know. I can do Zoom. I can do it on Zoom just fine. Oh well. Um,
2: but again, moving down it was the still my fun, bo- it was worth something. I,
1: th- I thought so. It's, but yeah, if you tuned into the live stream, you, you got to kick out a, a watching me screw up. Um, at least I was able to back out of it because it would have
2: been one thing that- for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been
1: great. Um, Otherwise, sorry. Um, so I have Baker Mayfield as, as my second quarterback. I got, I got sniped on, on Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, earlier in that round. Um, and then I got DJ Moore, Damian Harris, Chase Edmonds. And then I'd, we are early on into the 10th uh, round here. Or, and uh, before, before I make my 10th pick it, with my 9th, I have uh, Bob Tunyon as my second tight end. So a lot of NFC Norse. Flavor with my tight ends.
2: Nice, yeah. My draft is going very slow. Um, I, I, I could uh, put some people on blast for taking too long. Uh, I made up You're too. Pick by, you're too
1: kind. You wouldn't. You would I matter. made every
2: pick by pre-draft selection, so I've been very good and deserve a treat. Um, yes. So, but yeah. Anyway, I got uh, the eighth pick in mine. I took. Uh, I'm in the Boston division. I was hoping I could get into the Annalna or Pig Destroyer divisions, but they were full. (laughs) So I got my third choice, Boston. Of course. And uh, with the eighth pick, I took Dak. Um, Second round, I took Matt Stafford. And like I said at the start of the podcast, I did not really think about this. Uh, I think I'm okay with it, to be clear. I just I didn't think about it. I was like, I can't I'm not going to come up with any good ideas if I go down this rabbit hole. So I'm going to just uh, opt out try to take theoretically good quarterbacks and then the draft really begins for me once I've once I eliminate the possibility of of just ending up totally empty-handed at quarterback then I then I'll start looking around the draft board a little bit Uh, so I just took Dak because he was the top of the board quarterback for me I took Stafford because he was the top of the board quarterback for me there's an argument I guess that I could have or that I should have taken maybe Tom Brady in that spot Uh, the the completion points uh, the the six-point passing touchdowns definitely elevates Tom Brady. But my thinking was Stafford can have a season this year like Brady had last year, just with more yardage. Uh, so if that's true, then then hopefully that'll pay off as a pick there. Uh, but, yeah, third round I was lucky enough to get Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I wanted to get Pitts at least. I, maybe I won't be lucky. Maybe my thinking is wrong. But I was glad to get him there. Uh, something like seven or eight picks after Kittle went – so that was the 29th selection where I took Pitts, and uh, yeah, I was I was kind of thinking similarly at tight end there as I was at quarterback earlier. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to end up with like Anthony Ferkser as my tight end one in this league, so maybe I should take one while I like one, and so I don't have to you know watch him go earlier than I expected in between now and my next pick. So I got Pitts, Dak, Stafford. Fourth round is I guess where my draft began in earnest, and uh, took DeAndre Swift there. I, w- I knew I wanted to go running back. After the quarterbacks and tight ends, because like we were talking about earlier, the, the running back position has a little bit of inflation going on because of those rushing first downs. And uh, I like Swift. It's not it's not great. I was hoping for someone like uh, Antonio Gibson or you know maybe even a Cam Akers, Joe Mixon falling to me, but they didn't. So happy to get Swift there. I got him one pick after Miles Gaskin, so that's a dodged bullet. I mean, I like Gaskin probably more than most people, but he should not be going ahead <laughs> he, of Swift. No, absolutely not. So, yeah, I got Swift, and then my next pick, I might, re- I might uh, regret this one. I took J.K. Dobbins. I certainly love him as a player. Uh, I was hoping to get Michael Thomas, but he went two picks earlier. Uh, but there is an argument to make that maybe instead of Dobbins, I should have taken my first receiver, someone like Alan Robinson. Uh, I did not do it, though, and I took Dobbins. We'll see how it goes i I, like i said i love the talent but the workload is pretty sketchy uh luckily though my sixth pick i was able to get amari cooper and pair him with dak prescott so that that was pretty close call there uh i think cooper can do the trick there as long as my running backs my quarterbacks and kyle pitts are as good as i hope uh took tyler lockett in the seventh round just missed julio uh i I really would have liked to get julio there but i forgot lockett had 100 catches last year i i uh, thought he had like it, it's actually a hundred.
1: Yeah, no, and, and he had some, you know, that that great game against the Cardinals on that Sunday night, or so. You know, he can Yeah, he had it, uh, it, but...
2: forty of his catches in that game. To yeah. be fair, but still, <laughs> that's like that's like sixty more catches after that.
1: See, yeah, we'll take that. But um, in in regards to, to Dobbins, so what what are the uh, workload concerns exactly? I guess just uh, the the fact that Lamar Jackson's going to be running a, a lot and. You know, Gus Edwards is also gonna push for hundred some odd carries.
2: Yeah, Gus Edwards is a good running back, you know, like he's he's and just as importantly, he's a perfect fit for the sort of subtype that they feature in that offense because the running back position that he plays isn't quite the same as what Dobbins plays, and it's it's like the short yardage, the really uh, bruising kind of tasks, the the sort of just hammer halfback dive plays. Those suit Edwards so well. He's he's not really matched by m- many running backs in the entire league, but in that one capacity. So Dobbins could be great and still not challenge him in that one capacity. And you just it's just a bad starting point if if your running back that you're taking in the first four rounds isn't even the heir to the short yardage role. And I think that uh, you know Dobbins is clearly the pass catching guy, but that might be a very small role too. So it it makes him very touchdown dependent and i i wasn't eager i wasn't exactly like eager to take him at that last spot but the reason i rationalized it was because i thought well look dobbin's is going to always have a high yards per carry and a high touchdown rate because he is in the lamar jackson offense so i don't really buy the idea that like oh he's he's vulnerable to to you know really bad touchdown regression and that he's going to go cold for that reason like he'll go cold if lamar goes cold and i don't think Lamar's going cold so it's just he's always going to score touchdowns more touchdowns per carry than most running backs and if you know i don't want gus edwards to get hurt but the guy was hurt a lot at miami that's basically why he transferred out of miami while they went with uh lesser running backs like it was like mark walton
1: travis homer yeah. Uh,
2: well, I thought Travis Homer was pretty good, but uh, Edwards I think was like a little bit before him. Uh, but in any- words he was really explosive at Miami. Just got hurt a bunch, and then they ran him out uh, for some players who just weren't as good as him. And so uh, he's had good luck in the NFL, staying healthy. You certainly hope that that continues to be the case. But in the event that he got hurt, then Dobbins would be the three down guy. And in that yeah. case, in that case, he becomes uh, not 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 likely to be like a top twelve running back, but you know, he's, he's he's jumping from that sort of uh, low floor running back to kind of weekly sort of projection. Uh, to a, you know, high ceiling running back to sort of projection, I think, and uh, he'll, he'll be streaky as, as long as his role remains uh, the way it is, but the explosiveness is not going anywhere. Like, the, the, the Ravens offense is explosive, and Dobbins himself is, is a uniquely explosive player, so I, I'm not really worried about that kind of problem for him. It's just, uh, he's not going to have many 20-carry games if he has any at all. Right, so I, I think, so. you know, if
1: he can do a, an improvement upon what Maybe like Mark Ingram did there in 2019.
2: Right, that's um, what you're hoping th- for. And right, I think he's, he's that's definitely that's in the cards. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, he should. He really, really came on strong after the bye week um, last season. So, um, any other comments there as far as uh, how your receiving core is shaping up? You, you've got two guys in, in, in Cooper and Lockett. Um, you know, Lockett. I, I imagine you, you got thinking he's going to get a decent amount of volume. Cooper with the touchdown upside. Um, Is there a a genre of receiver that you want to address next to kind of round things out, or do you want to keep pushing in one direction? Um, And is it going to be with your eighth pick?
2: Right. So still waiting on my eighth pick, which will be 92nd overall. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go receiver. I did look a little bit at quarterback and at running back and even tight end. I might go Noah Fant. I guess that's kind of like my backup plan, but I'm out on the running backs for now. There, there are some players who I find interesting, but uh, I think for what I need for my third running back spot, there are more players on the board at running back that I can get in a round knock on wood in t- or two, three, something like that. And in the meantime, I, I think I, you know, I, I am not strong at receiver. I need to add some more heft at receiver. So I'll probably target dj chark with my next pick it's probably going to be between him and maybe Cortland sutton maybe uh tyler boyd and uh noah fant something like that so fant is uh he's of course uh you know he's he's normally around that ninth round range in, in normal leagues and i i'm not exactly getting my hopes up super high for him i i think uh Certainly if they trade for Aaron Rodgers somehow, then then he's going to be you know jumping from the ninth to maybe the sixth or fifth round, something like that. Uh, but even if they have Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, whatever, I thought Fant did a good job last year, and he's a good candidate, I think, for something like 80, 85 catches.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. Um, yeah, that, that that's an, an offense that really could be so just elevated by even like top 14-ish level – quarterback play. I oh, mean yeah. let, let Locke alone like Aaron Rodgers.
2: The forty fifth best quarterback.
1: <laughs> yeah, not not great. Um I don't really see it getting much better either, unfortunately. So it's gonna be a lot of, of uh wide open receivers getting missed, I, I feel like. Um
2: I think yeah. Bridgewater would be an improvement. It's just, uh, you know, not exciting. But it would suit right. Fant. Fant was getting open pretty well underneath last year, so uh, if Teddy's in there, I think you can go ahead and raise your Fant projection this year.
1: Okay. All right. That works. Um, looking just kind of as we move forward. Obviously, we're we're on day four of this, and we're we're only in eight rounds eight, eight, round nine for for our respective leagues. So we still got a ways to go on this. Um, this is my first year in it. Do you have any uh, endgame advice for, for the newbies out there in the fishbowl as far as uh, how you want to attack it? Do you, um, do you take it kind of like a, like you're just throwing darts and best ball
2: at, the, at a certain point? I, I don't know. I think you can kind of take uh, just whatever approach you normally would with, within the positional categories. It's more like trying to figure out the positional quirks that come with a scoring system like this and no uh no small part of it this year is the the kicker scoring which i haven't even looked at i to be honest won't look at it i'm just going to probably start taking a kicker when other people do Uh, i'll just i'll just assume like oh i guess i should do that now and uh you could argue that if if you're in it you should take a, a more diligent approach than that and maybe you could get some sort of edge in the kicking category but i uh as far as that goes, I'm just going to kind of look at, you know, does this guy make 50 yarders and what do I project for his offense? And if I uh, think he's halfway decent, maybe I'll take that up. But, yeah, they got the kicker eligibility in the flex spot. So uh, we'll see. There's there's going to be some kicker twists that didn't exist in the past seasons. So.
1: Yes, yeah. And, and to, um, to expound on that, uh, looking at, at the league page, uh, it's decimal scoring for, for kicking. So uh, if you kick a 37 yarder, that's 3.7 points as opposed to just three. Um, you get one point for an extra point. You get really penalized uh, for a missed field goal, minus three, and then you get minus one point for any missed extra points as well. So you, okay. want, you want some accuracy because a, a guy who's just like, you know, hitting 75 or 80% of his kicks. You that's a lot of of minus threes on your tally that that could really kind of start to sag you down.
2: Yeah, at minus three for a field goal. Maybe maybe I'll just uh, punt at the kicker position. I don't know. It uh, <laughs> sounds know. like some work to figure it out. I don't really like doing that. Yeah, that, I,
1: I'm not even sure that the uh, the the roto customization can can really like implement those types of of wild uh, scoring stats. Uh, no, maybe maybe they can figure it out. Um, Before we get on to the next part of the show, uh, let's go ahead and uh, hear a quick word from our sponsors.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: All right, let's jump on over to the FSGA's Futures and Props Draft. Uh, We did that yesterday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon. It was a lot of fun. Um, We we did the first inaugural one of them a year ago. Uh, Our friend uh, Digger Turnbull of the FSGA uh, came up with the idea, and and in essence, it is a snake draft. Uh, You have an entire board of of picks from which to choose. Um, Last year, uh, or I'll go a little bit further. So, essentially, you got the the Super Bowl odds. You got Heisman Trophy odds th- this year, college football um, win totals, NFL win totals, uh, comeback player of the year, rookie of the year, offensive and defensive, coach of the year. So, so many picks to choose from in addition to um, player statistical props. And I think the biggest difference this year is that everyone was kind of swinging for the fences and going for the, those um, higher payout type of wagers. I think a lot of people last year um, sunk a little bit too many into the minus you know minus 110 uh, Jarvis Landry, under a thousand yards t- type of bets. And, and even if you get that right for um, 10% of, of the bankroll that they give you, it's still not necessarily going to to push you over the edge. What is going to push you over the edge is getting coach of the year, right? It's something like that. Um, Getting, getting your MVP, right. If you get a a long shot Super Bowl, I'm sure whoever uh, picked the bucks last year, I know that they were picked. Um, Whoever picked them a year ago, uh, I'm sure finished high in the, in the rankings, that sort of thing. So I wanted to lead things off with, I, I had the third overall pick in this one. I went with, those Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship at, at eight to one for How a thousand imaginary dollars.
2: What is, uh, what's Georgia got going for it other than, uh, what's the, what's George Pickens's, uh, injury status?
1: So he, he his ACL in March, so I'm kind of not counting on, on him playing, but I think the difference this year is that whereas, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are all replacing their quarterbacks. Georgia is not. Uh, I know that DJ Uyangale played a bit for for Clemson a year ago, but JT Daniels finished the year for Georgia and looked really good doing it. So I I totally buy in on him. He'll be another year removed from his ACL injury. This is the second year of of Todd Munkin's offensive system being implemented. They've recruited at the highest level basically for the last few years. So the roster is stacked with talent, both sides of the ball. Uh, the backfield is, is, I would argue, too loaded. I wish that they, that one of those um, seniors did not come back, which is Zamir White or someone went to the NFL instead. So it'd be a, clear the runway for some of those younger guys, but they pretty much have it all in front of them. We'll, we'll kind of have a better picture of, of how smart or dumb that bet looks Labor Day weekend when they, when they play Clemson at a, at a uh, neutral site in Charlotte, you but I, I I feel like I feel like Georgia has a very very good chance of winning it all this year and and I've not really said that in years past even the year that um, that they kind of came out of nowhere and, and surprised everyone and made the playoff um, so then I piggybacked that one uh, the with my second pick. Um, I went with a Super Bowl uh, selection. I went with the Bucks at, at nine to two odds um, for um, about ten percent of my imaginary bankroll. Liked that one, and then uh, I went with a couple of high plus odds uh, type of selections. Brandon Staley, Coach of the Year, plus thirteen hundred, and Jalen Phillips, Rookie of the Year or Defensive Rookie of the Year, at plus nine hundred. Do you like either of those?
2: Well, with a quarterback like Herbert, Staley has a certain you know floor and ceiling that, that most coaches don't have the benefit of. And, uh, yeah, he, he seems like a good coach. I really think he's terrible at personnel. Uh, the draft picks that they made oh. <laughs> are wildly awful to me, like truly some of the worst I've ever seen. But that just makes him – that's just more reason to believe he's like McVay, which is to say a, a good uh, schemer and a good – in-game coach which obviously you can look at McVay's results that's turned out to matter quite a bit he's he, those those two guys and Kyle Shanahan love undermining themselves with terrible draft picks but they really know what they're doing as far as uh, running the, the field you know so we'll, we'll see uh, Herbert's talent could could take him pretty high if he does his part so certainly from from that perspective it, it makes a lot of sense uh you had another coach of the year pick that i i think i like even better if only because no one considers it a possibility whereas yes i, I happen to think it's a pretty good possibility uh but yeah dan campbell uh obviously your your nfc part of of, of this uh, broader wager that you're making and as far as nfc options go i really i really like campbell especially for the odds I know a lot of people are getting freaked out because they're like, "Oh, he said he wants to play football like a caveman. He wants he wants to be a junkyard dog, and that's that means he's gonna hate throwing the ball, which is all junkyard that you're dogs to do. don't have spreadsheets." Yeah, doesn't he know that uh, that you have to throw the ball every play? What kind of what kind of foul idiot is he? And so on. And I think that's a bit of an overreaction. I mean, the guy, the guy has like a mascot kind of role to play, and he's embracing it. he's 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 hamming it up to try to be likable and relatable to his players while carrying a general you know football guy kind of cultural aesthetic. and it's harmless. like it's it's fine. he's 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 not uh, Jeff Fisher just because he he talks like a crazy person. Like if anything, it's like uh, you know Jeff Fisher would have been boring or something, probably. like Dan Campbell just act silly it's not it's not a big deal um he's he's I think going to uh go into his head coaching role basically looking to to carry the principles of Bill Parcells who he played under uh, him and Aaron Glenn the defensive coordinator are both Bill Parcells disciples Anthony Lynn even might be a little bit of a Parcells disciple I know he wasn't around the Cowboys as long but uh he's these are all guys who are just uh you know they're they're well versed on a lot of football subjects. I think that Dan Campbell has has been pretty pragmatic rather than, uh, you know, rigidly ideological. And that's exactly what Bill Parcells was like. He, he talked like a hard nosed, you know, macho Jersey guy, but then he would take Drew Bledsoe out there and call 680 pass attempts back in 1995, which no one was really doing back then. So, Campbell, I think, will be a reasonable coach who runs a good ship, basically, and gets his players to play hard for him. And that's that's kind of all a guy like Pete Carroll really is. You know, Pete Carroll does so many stupid things in, in so many respects, but because his players, you know, play at 110% for him, they're always in the hunt. And I think Campbell could be that kind of coach. At, like, and I don't want to rule out the possibility of him just having, like, good schemes too. I, I think Campbell could be a pretty – not sharp as in, like, you know, McVay-level sharp – But I think he's a totally good head coaching candidate, and people tend to reject the Lions as, like, a joke team, and I don't really think they are.
1: Yeah, I I think that there's, like, certain criteria that seem to be met for for Coach of the Year, and it's obviously, like, a very um, kind of narrative-based. However you do relative to expectations can really drive, you know, how that – Result it is ended. You know, that's why, like, Bill Belichick never wins it. It's because he does what he, he's expected to do. Um, so, uh, and uh, let's see, Dan, uh, Dan Harris uh, from uh, from Fantasy Pros, uh, he was in this league a year ago, and we were talking about um, during the broadcast yesterday, we were talking about approaching the coach of the year props for, from those certain angles, it, and it, it was a lot of, of chasing guys who don't have much in the way of expectations. I was surprised that, that um, you know, as the board started to get emptied a little bit, uh, Robert Sala, um, he was one of the last ones that, that that was taken, that ended up being taken. Not every coach um, was wagered on, of course. Some guys just aren't really good bets for that award. Um, but I thought he was an interesting one. And another one that I was considering, I didn't end up uh, having him fall to me. What about Sean Payton?
2: He's a good coach. He, he could... He, he could be in on that. Uh, I, yeah, it's uh, it's hard for me to have any sort of concept, any sort of conception of, like, probable or unlikely with, with this kind of category because, like sure. you said, the sec- secondary details that are difficult to foresee can change things in a bit, uh, in a hurry. Um, I will say, I think, uh, other than the guys that you mentioned, I, I like Brian Flores quite a bit for the Dolphins. I might have... So you you got Jalen Phillips for the defensive rookie of the year. I might have tried to do a bet stack where I have Brian Flores winning coach of the year and Phillips... You know, Phillips has a big... If Phillips has like 13 sacks this year or something, then Brian Flores is coach of the year odds have to go up with that because... Uh, if if Phillips has a year like that, the Dolphins' defense was probably pretty terrifying. And, right. Uh, if Tua is getting better, then the offense can lift more than it did previously. So, I like Flores quite a bit. Uh, he's 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 kind of like the AFC Dan Campbell. It's like he's 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 a guy who gets the troops all psychotic and you know jacked up on super soldier serum, and and mm-hmm. they they go play berserk for him. Like he's one of those guys, and he he has a pretty ambitious complex defense that i think will improve pretty much every year like you saw last year a little bit of it they were they got torched in their first month and then they got better as the year went along and uh that that makes sense because there's there's a lot to learn about that defense and um there is a chance that they have sort of like a top five defense and a top you know 20-ish offense and I think that's enough to get into the playoffs. Like, it's a tough division, namely the, the Bills and the Patriots. But if, if you have results like that in the, in the broader metrics, it's trending upward, I think.
1: Yeah, and, and going back to, to Peyton just for a second, uh, I just think that a lot of people are, you know, this is the the beginning of the non-Drew Brees era. We don't have a, a for-sure quarterback up next. You know, it's going to be the Taysom Hill Jameis Winston, so there, there's going to be a lot of. Is this Peyton's best coaching job, you know, if, if he gets that decision right? So, um, they got to, a really
2: good offensive line. So, mm-hmm. if I, I think it has to be Winston, like, I, I will say this if they go with Hill, then I don't like Sean Payton for coach of the year, but if they go with Winston, <laughs> then, I, then I think he's got a chance. No, that's it. That's a really, really Perfect way to to
1: sum that one up. Yeah, if it, Tyson would really really put him behind the eight ball for, for an award that's uh, ostensibly awards uh, good coaching decisions. And then uh, Flores, I was totally with you on that a year ago as well. I almost had that one pay off at crazy odds. That that might have changed uh, some of the standings there. I really liked him coming into last year, and they almost made the playoffs. Uh, despite playing some, some quarterback uh, musical chairs, um, so yeah, now with a more settled quarterback situation, another year with that defense installed, I really like those odds for it for Flores too. Absolutely. Um, looking elsewhere, at, there is a there were a few bets titled "Other," which were essentially who's going to start for what team in Week One, and uh, Andy Dalton was think he was he was like minus at least 250 it might have been even heavier might have been like minus 500 and fields plus 300 I went fields I, I threw I didn't throw down a ton but I threw down on on the idea of fields at plus money starting week one I, I don't think there's a non-zero chance he starts then he despite what Matt Nagy's saying
2: yeah I, that that's a tough one for me to approach because it's like we, we we have trouble getting past uh, whatever we believe it is that's going to happen, you know, which I happen to believe Dalton will start week one, but the odds account for that. And so it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, to, to track, you know, the dynamics of, of the odds as they get more favorable like that. But I, I agree. It can't be non-zero. It's, it's obviously much better than that chance that that Fields is out there. So at, at odds like that, it's, it's at, at worst, a calculated risk. And I, as much as i believe andy dalton is going to start week 1 it's not because i it's certainly not because i think that's a good idea and it's it's not because i even have my you know finger on any particular pulse it, it's just kind of a a sort of a pessimistic guess basically so uh, if all i have really for reasoning that dalton's going to start week 1 is like i got a bad feeling about it then you know fading a, a, what is just a sentiment can't be a bad idea especially if you get favorable odds on it
1: yeah, I yeah, that that um no that that's buttons like it up. Like we're basically pretty
2: well. we're basically reasoning Dalton's going to start week 1 because we're like, yeah, Matt Matt uh, Nagy might not really be the guy. He might be kind of dumb. Maybe maybe that kicker Saga just broke his brain or something, but it's like if he's a halfway decent coach if, if, if he's if he's the guy we hoped he was a couple of years ago when he uh, you know, won coach of the year then maybe Fields will start because they, they got to get him out there. And it's, we know Dalton's not going to, you know, they're not, they're not going to miss out on the wild card because they went from Dalton to Fields and they're definitely not going to the Super Bowl with Dalton. And
1: You know, it just, it's one of those things where if you're just evaluating the two of them, even if you want to have Dalton go into training camp as the number one, Fields is clearly the better quarterback for every single week of, of training camp, and you still are just blindly th- casting your lot with the veteran just because, or because you don't want to go back on, on your word of what you said in April. In a tweet. <laughs> yeah, in a tweet. Andy Dalton. Well, people Dol- are going to roast one. our
2: tweet if we start. Yeah, us. we
1: don't want that. Right? <laughs> That's way worse on. than we're losing. Gonna, we're going to be the corn cob of the day. Oh, um, we're getting ratioed. We're the main character on Twitter today. Yeah.
2: <laughs> But, um, yeah, to to extrapolate a little bit, I am concerned, though, that Dalton will be basically a better practice player than Fields. And and football coaches are so bad about this. I don't know why. I'm sure there's a good reason because they all are like this. But they can't separate practice reps from a broader player projection, you know? They can't remember, like, oh, of course I should grade Dalton more rigorously in practice for how well he does. He knows all the answers. He knows how to do all this already. It's it's like his fourth time taking the ACT, and feels is taking it his first time. You have to remember, like you'll get better with each each subsequent one. So they can't. It's foolish to look at Dalton and say like, who's better at this today? When this today is not even the task at hand. It's going to be a different kind of live bullet setting when the game happens. And you have to remember, real talent elevates in that from that transition and and deficient talent sinks and it's it's like it's such an obvious lesson but you just can't get coaches to learn it so i am worried that you know between dalton knowing how to be a you know consummate professional knowing how practices work knowing how to do the stuff that coaches just want to see and kind of play teacher's pet that way i am concerned about fields you know being on the bench in week one for that reason but Man, if you could make that, if you could modify that bet a little bit to like who's starting Week Three, then then I'm gonna get a lot more aggressive about it because Dalton does suck and, and he needs to go eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. But again, I think you you have it drawn up right, and I but think I like analogy. They a should
2: lot. go with fields. The the, the bet they should work. work if Nagy does what he should.
1: But. You know, even, even with him having the Coach Coach of the Year trophy on, on his wall, you still can't uh, really trust him to, to make the right call this time, even with like, yeah, he's, the most pos- he's Henry, important position in football.
2: He's like Henry Winkler. I know we bring up the Water Boy basically every single podcast, but he's, yeah. he's Henry Winkler. After the Bobby Bowden stand-in on uh, the water boy broke his brain, and it's like instead of uh, instead of having his playbook stolen by Bob- Bobby Bowden, it was like Eddie Panero missing six field goals that broke his brain.
1: I hate him, I hate him, I hate him.
2: Yeah. I'm talking into a, <laughs> into a phone
1: that's not plugged into anything. <laughs> um, that's, let's uh, see. that's basically where he's at, yeah. It yes, it, it really did break his brain though. And any Chicago uh, Bears fan listening to this will will certainly um, agree with that. Um, one other one I wanted to toss out to you. I know we we talked about this previously, but um, I put down on I didn't do a ton of win totals, but Steelers under eight and a half, even with the seventeen game season. Lock, lock. I felt pretty good about that one.
2: Yeah, I guess I keep forgetting there's 17 games this year, but uh, I do. I will say, uh, no hesitation. Steelers get the losing record. It's it's gonna happen. Like they've been going uh, like 20 years in a row or whatever. Tomlin, he's a great coach. I'm not. I'm not saying that like he isn't good enough for, for the for that streak to keep going. But the players that he has to work with, and especially the quarterback play, are are lower than they've been in a while. And you can't expect your defense to be so good that you go nine and seven or uh, whatever, 10, ten uh, I don't know what the new nine and seven is. Whatever that is, you can't <laughs> just you can't just bank on your defense carrying you know a, a negative offense into that territory. That that's that's kind of your best case scenario, and the best case scenario doesn't happen forever. Uh, yeah. Roethlisberger, I think, at this point, is just returning. To to he just wants to get back long enough to to pass the blame to his receivers and then he's gonna check out like that's checking out on top for Ben at this point is like I didn't suck in 2020 remember my 2021 receivers dropping all those passes that I hanged them out to dry on what what could I do I couldn't do anything I tried to I tried to be the soldier I've always been and and you know to be like this this martyr like figure for the team and and these these dang receivers just. They, yeah, they just clearly undermined the whole team. They really let us down. Passes. Yeah, so I think Ben's just in it to make those guys look bad, and, and let that be the narrative to end his career. Like it's a shame Ben's career ended that way with those receivers dropping all those passes. Uh, it's so weird how they got injured all those times catching those pa- trying to catch those passes. But anyway, uh, nothing. Like, so many of the plays this year are just going to be Ben doing the uh, Flacco to Lamar throw, just just like try try to get the receiver to look bad, getting clobbered over and over.
1: Yeah, with, with like also a hot potato element of it because like they they're not going to be able to protect him at all. So he's going to be throwing the ball like in the same motion that he's catching the ball when from yeah. shotgun. Like he just gonna- wants
2: he just wants a a, a, a a whatever Sunday NFL countdown segment about how like drops are plaguing the Steelers. What could have been if if uh, if if Ben Roethlisberger hadn't been let down by his team.
1: Yes, he's we're got see-
2: ice packs on every single inch of his body. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. That's, that's always stretcher the stretcher.
1: And- <laughs> yeah, he's in his iron lung at the press conference. <laughs> always got to bring up the iron lung. Never, I do. That's my. That's one of my favorite. Uh, you know, comedic props. Uh, I think that's a good note to uh, to end it on uh, for this one. So uh, for Mario Puig, I'm John McCagney. Thanks for listening to the Roto Wire. NFL podcast brought to you again by our friends at WinBet. Uh, I will be in Vegas next week, so I'm not sure if uh, we'll have an episode again next week. I assume we will. It might just be uh, going live on on Friday um, instead of Thursday, but uh, we will keep you all apprised on that. And again, thank you for listening to the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet.
0: Try Rotowire
1: today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try.